0: White is not the new black, a good omens fic, written by OtPunk Punk and read by B.I.P. Crowley woke up feeling weird, like weird, weird. He laid in bed a good three hours just trying to find the best way to describe said odd feeling. Like if someone spackled a crack with whipped cream and for some unknown reason it worked. Like a completely boneless, adorable kitten that kept slipping through his fingers. Like floating safely on an inner tube in the middle of a stormy ocean. Like stepping on dew-covered grass, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt there were no red ants for miles around. It felt like the time Warlock decided to bake cookies using marshmallows and Kool-Aid mix. It felt, for reasons Crowley could not comprehend, a bit like a Aziraphale. So, of course, Curly decided to ignore it. Curly was an expert at ignoring his feelings. He should be, considering he's been doing it since before the fall. There was nothing with feelings, per se. It was just that they tended to get in the way of things. Feelings made it hard to do evil. Feelings compelled Curly to save children, to save a Aziraphale, to save those two bloody unicorns, to save a Aziraphale. He was thinking about a Aziraphale again. He was thinking about a Aziraphale... And that odd feeling in his chest only got worse. Shut up, shut up, shut up, Crowley muttered to himself as he watered his plants. He opened his mouth to snap at them, only to find that nothing would come out. It was as the feeling was forming a wall between himself and his usual projected self loathing that morning. Crowley fought down the staticky sensation and gave being mean to his plants another shot. You, he said, pointing his finger at a particularly irritating Norfolk Island pine. You can do better. Don't make your needles as sharp. Stop looking so smug for being mistaken for a Christmas tree. There better not be a single dropped needle on this floor, or or, the words scratched at his throat, unable to escape, but unable to settle as well. Or I'll gift you to a Xerophel this Christmas, and you know he'll go full Victorian on dressing you. He'll use candles, real candles. That got the Norfolk Island pine to stop looking so smug. Crowley was rather proud of himself for the sudden popularity of the Norfolk Island pine. He had convinced human it would be a perfect Christmas plant, what with it being vaguely pinish and having the word pine in its name. In reality, the Norfolk Island pine was possibly the worst plant to have around the holidays. It was a tropical plant that needed high heat and even higher humidity with multiple waterings daily and frankly had no business being in a cold, dry climate. Because of this, they tended to drop dead the second they left the store. The fact that once it died, the dried pine needles became as sharp as rose thorns, but three times as long, was just an added bonus. Crowley rubbed an odd spot on his chest, mentioning Christmas that only made the odd feeling grow feelers and wiggle about. Maybe he just needed coffee, or a drink, or a Xerophel. Don't think about a Xerophel. Evil, he decided. He needed to go do evil. That would fix this right up. Being evil didn't help. It did cheer him up in the misfortune of others' hilarious sort of way, but it did nothing to get rid of the feeling in his chest. In fact, the feeling felt as if it was growing. He couldn't rid himself of the mental image of it being this multi-limbed fuzzy insect lodged in his chest. Right between his lungs, he decided. Just this spider-wasp scorpion thing clawing at his internal organs. In a metaphorical sort of way, of course. After an afternoon spent causing traffic jams and making people forget their significant other's birthdays, Curly knew there was no use putting it off any longer. He had to go see Aziraphale. Not that he didn't want to see Aziraphale. In fact, he felt totally the opposite way. Ever since they toasted to the world, Crowley's only desire was to spend more time with Aziraphale. Possibly all of his time. He never wanted to leave his angel's side. And that was a problem, because there was no way Aziraphale wanted the same. This was Aziraphale. The dear angel who spent a decade rereading every book he owned because he, quote, didn't feel like going out, end quote. Crowley knew that Aziraphale would be sick of him hanging around within days. Yes, they were best friends. Yes, they had chosen each other over heaven and hell. But that didn't mean Aziraphale wanted Curly to hold his hand and never let go. The odd feeling wasn't love. Curly knew this because he had felt love for Aziraphale since Eden. He could feel it still as he drove over to the bookstore. His love had no odd descriptions attached beyond the usual overwhelming yearning for return to devotion. Not a single insect leg or boneless, adorable animal to be seen. Just love. Pure, simple, unrequited love. The bookstore was closed, of course. Crowley could count the times he had seen it open on one hand. He would have been able to, even if he had gotten two fingers cut off before the count. That didn't stop Crowley from opening the clearly locked front door and walking in. The shop knew better than to keep Crowley out. Angel, Crowley called out as he entered the shop. Even after all these weeks, there was always a funny twist in his stomach when he came to visit Aziraphale. This feeling, unlike the love and the scorny feeling that currently reminded Crowley of a bowl of ice cream covered in stale pieces of candy corn, was one of dread. The fear that Crowley would find the shop burning once more and his angel missing for good. Crowley had managed to convince himself that the reason he visited Aziraphale so often was to check in on things, and not because it was the only way for that fear to die down. Crowley was very, very good at ignoring his feelings. Crowley, you're just in time. I need your help with this. Aziraphale popped out from between the shelves, holding what must have been someone's white... Someone's lost smartphone. Yes, a lost smartphone that just so happened to have little Angel Wing stickers on the case. The white case. The sparkly white case. Oh, no. Oh, no, Crowley groaned. Angel, where did you get that? Why did you get that? The angel beamed with happiness, even as he kept his eyes glued to the screen. It was Miss Device's idea. This way we can keep in touch with each other in case anything happens. I already have the numbers for Adam and all of his friends, too. We really must go visit them someday. Pepper, the girl who killed War, she's trying to explain how I can set up a Twitter account. And I thought, oh, Crowley helped make that. I should ask him. Ziraphale finally lifted his head up enough to look at Crowley. He froze on the spot, causing the phone slip to slip right out of his hands and land on the bookshop floor with a muffled thud. Luckily, the phone liked the angel stickers so much it refused to let its screen crack. Uh, Crowley cleared his throat once the silent went on a beat too long. Angel? Xerophile? Are you alright? Xerophile didn't respond right away. His eyes were wide with shock, his lips parted, and he looked one loud noise away from passing out on the spot. Crowley, he finally managed. Are you okay? Curly almost lied out of habit, but the feeling stopped him again. Well, if anyone knew about weird feelings, it would have to be Azirophil. No, kinda. I feel off. Off, Azirophil echoed. Yeah, like, like there's something in me that shouldn't be there? I see. What does it feel like? Like if someone glued fake fur to a balloon and inflated it in my chest. Aziraphale didn't respond to that. And the balloon is filled with those little spear things that grow when you put them in water? Aziraphale closed his mouth. What the hell are those called, anyway? Aziraphale took a few steps forward. I've seen them used for growing bamboo. Crowley, Aziraphale said finally, once he was in arm's reach of his dear friend. I should try that sometime. Curly, show me your wings this instant. Curly didn't even think about questioning Aziraphale. He did as he was told, unfurling his wings for the first time since almost end and giving them a good flap to stretch them out. A few feathers shook loose as they tended to, sending bits of white fluff flying across the shop floor. They are happy. I know they're stunning, but that doesn't Bits of white fluff, white fluff, white, white. Curly spread his wings out wide enough to encircle around him and Aziraphale. White. They were white. Pure, brilliant white feathers sparkling in the bookshop's dim light. Aziraphale took Crowley's shaking hands within his own and said in a hoarse whisper, Crowley, that weird feeling you've been experiencing is holiness. Fuck. Crowley laid on Aziraphale's couch, waiting to see if anything would happen. When the feeling, the feeling of God's grace, didn't go away, he decided to experiment a little more. Fuck. Shit. Arse, arsehole. Dick. Prick. Fucking. Shitting. Arsehole. Prick. Crowley. Cursing isn't going to make you refall. fall placed a nice hot cup of tea on the small side table next to the couch. Not close enough to imply that Crowley had to drink it, but close enough to let the demon know the option was there. No, Aziraphale reminded himself, not a demon anymore. He was still kicking himself for not noticing the second Crowley stepped into the shop. Demons didn't give off the same energy as angels. In fact, they absorbed it. Standing around a pack of demons was spiritually akin to getting one's shoelace stuck in an escalator. Crowley's pull just happened to be weak enough that Aziraphale stopped noticing it after the first few thousand years. At most, all it did was give Aziraphale the heads up that Crowley was somewhere in the immediate area. But now... Now Crowley was burning. The ex-demon, was easier than thinking of him as an angel, was absolutely crackling with holy energy. It was probably strong enough to give everyone in Soho a lovely day, maybe even powerful enough for them to find a fiver in an old jacket pocket. Xerophil hadn't felt such pure holiness since, well, since before, before it all. Crowley sat up and removed his sunglasses. What about my eyes? How do they look? Still very snake-like, as Arafel said, which was the truth. Unfortunately, the truth also required him to keep going. But they're less yellow and more... uh, gold. Gold. Yes. In what way? In a golden angel halo sort of way? Crowley pumped promptly fell back onto the couch. Aziraphale waited for him to say something, anything, but it was clear Curly wasn't going to say a word. Aziraphale did his best to fill in the silence between them. It must have been the whole saving the world thing that did it. Too much good all in one go. And frankly, I don't see why you're pouting about this. Isn't this good? Isn't unfalling? Isn't uh, rising exactly what all demons strive for? Don't you feel better? silence. You told me falling felt like having part of you violently ripped out. The demons aren't filled with evil. They're filled with nothing. Absolutely empty. You said, and I quote, it feels like slowly bleeding out for eternity that you spend the first thousand years on earth simply getting used to the pain. I was drunk. Crowley finally replied. Drunk means you were telling the truth. Curly let out a deep sigh before rolling onto his back. Drunk means I was melodramatic. Falling didn't hurt that much. But it did hurt, didn't it? Curly didn't answer that. Does it hurt now? It hasn't hurt in ages, Angel. Decades. Not even sure when it faded. Just realized one day it was gone. Azirifel sat down at the other end of the couch, just far enough to let Curly's feet dangle in peace. Curly was lying. He knew that if pressed, Curly would not only tell him the exact day, but the exact moment down to the millisecond. Not that Azirifel needed to do that. He already knew the answer the church. Curly stared at the ceiling above. Yeah, after the church. Xerophel wasn't sure when his hand moved onto Crowley's ankle, or when he began to soothingly trace a circle against his friend's skin with his thumb. Funny, he had always dreamed of what life would be like if Crowley was an angel, if they were on the same side since the very beginning. What Xerophel nor Crowley realized is that they had been on the same side since the beginning. Their side was formed the second they stood side by side in the garden's wall and made small talk. God had looked down upon them and said, Oh, this is new. This is interesting. Do you really hate angels this much? Aziraphale said, his voice barely above a whisper. What? Aziraphale angel, of course I don't, Crowley said as he finally sat up. It's just that, well, it's wrong. All of it feels wrong. It's like, it's like there's always been this balance, right? You being all goody angel and me being all demon-y demony demon It worked, didn't it? 6,000 years, it worked fine. I mean, humans go on about having a bloody angel and demon on their shoulders, right? No one ever goes, oh no, I'm in a terribly difficult situation. Better consult the angel on my shoulder and the angel on my other shoulder, who is just like the first one but dresses in black, but not his wings. No, can't have an angel with black wings. Gotta be white. Perfectly bloody bone bleached wings. Only pretty clean doves allowed in heaven. No, would never have accepted that olive branch. It was held by a damned raven. Zirphil stared into Crowley's desperate, now golden eyes, his heart ready to burst from his overwhelming desire to help his dear friend. Yet at the same time, he thought over everything Crowley had said with a fine tooth comb. He knew Crowley better than himself, he knew the snake always had a terrible habit of showing his hand. He also knew that Crowley sometimes was just Crowley. Crowley, darling, are you upset because white wings ruin your aesthetic? They bloody destroyed it, Crowley shouted as he threw his arms up in defeat. White wings, 6,000 years of black going with everything, and then I get white wings dropped on me like a damn missile. Do you know what white wings go with, Angel? Cream and tartan? Nothing in my bloody closet, that's what. As if to punctuate the point, Crowley outstretched his wings again and pointed at them, as if saying, See? And as much as Aziraphale hated to admit it, Crowley was right. The white wings didn't go with Crowley's normal attire at all. Aziraphale struggled internally with his centuries of British politeness. "'Now, Crowley, they're very well-maintained. Impeccable grooming, as always, darling. "'All the feathers are pointing the right way. "'Yes, very good wings.' Crowley sunk into the couch. "'That bad? "'You look like a salesman's half-hearted costume "'for an office Halloween party. "'You don't have to rub it in, Angel.' Curly drew his wings close to his body, using them to create a feathery barrier between himself and the rest of the world. Xerophil had seen him do it many times, usually after humanity had done something awful, or when a TV show he really liked ended. The worst part that these sulk sessions could last months, if not years. Xerophil had to do something to shake his now angelic snake friend out of it before he got bad. I have an idea. Curly peered at him through his feathers. Good idea or bad idea? Aziraphale thought it carefully over in his mind before settling on "Mm, stupid idea. It was an immensely stupid idea. So stupid that if any of their human friends were around, yes, even the children... They would have sat the angel and the slightly different angel down and explained why this was a stupid idea, why it wouldn't work, that feathers don't work that way, ink doesn't work that way, that the world didn't work on cartoon logic, but they weren't here, which meant Aziraphale's stupid idea worked perfectly. There, that's the last one. Aziraphale stepped back with brush in hand to admire his work. The ink had soaked through Crowley's feathers, turning them that lovely shade of endless void they used to be. Now we just have to wait for it to dry. Crowley snapped his fingers. Or you could be an impatient child and miracle them dry. Really, Crowley? Just because I'm all holy now doesn't mean I'm any more into that patience is a virtue nonsense. Crowley stretched his wings up and out, their feathers once more the color of the space between the stars. He twisted his wings as best he could, marveling at the way the bookshop's dim light danced across the feathers. They're perfect, Angel. Of course, we'll have to do touch-ups whenever new feathers come in, but that's a small price to pay for fashion. What do you think? Xerophil? okay? Xerophil stood there, brush still in hand, his lip trembling the way it always did when he was upset. Curly, are you really okay with this? Being... One of us? Crowley took the brush from Aziraphale's hand and dropped it in the large ink pot on the floor. It isn't like I've never been an angel before. Besides, I'm not with... He waved his hand vaguely in the direction of heaven. Them. We are on our own side, remember? I'm not with heaven as an angel the way I wasn't with hell as a demon. I just got... I just got to get used to this holy feeling... Aziraphale removed his cotton gloves and let them fall to the floor. Wonderful, isn't it? It feels like someone handed me a baby lamb wrapped in a blanket and told me that if I drop it, I'll die. You didn't answer my question. Crowley shoved his hands as deep into his pockets as he could before mumbling. Yeah, it's all right, I guess. I'll just have to be a little bit more of a bastard to balance everything out. They smiled at each other, as they always did, right within arm's reach, yet so far away. There had always been that barrier between them, even as they stood side by side at the end of the world. A barrier that, in roughly thirty seconds, both men would realize wasn't there anymore. Crowley reached the realization first, most likely because of those long, dingly legs of his. I'm not a demon. Yes, Crowley, we've established that. I'm an angel. Yes, Crowley. Aziraphale, we're both angels. Crowley may have reached the conclusion first, but Aziraphale was the first one to move. He closed the distance between them, happy to find that Crowley was already leaning down enough to welcome his angel with a kiss. When the world didn't try to end again, they followed it up with a second, a third, and then quickly lost count in the double digits. They spoke between the gaps, neither man willing to let go long enough for proper dialogue. I was afraid. I thought we couldn't. What if heaven found out? What if you fell? What if it hurt you? What if your saliva counted as holy water or something? That's not how it... Doesn't matter. Not anymore. I love you. I love you so much, Angel. You can't call me that anymore. Now that you're, Aziraphale suddenly pulled away. His eyes wide. Oh fuck! You're an angel. If you're an angel, that means heaven. We'll find out. Crowley said, slightly annoyed that the kissing had to stop for a bit. The second this conversation was done, however, they were going right back at it, and hell, bugger all. Xerophil reached up and tugged on Crowley's jacket enough to pull him back down for a softer kiss this time. Maybe we should beat them to it with an official announcement? Angel, you got that right bastard look in your eyes. Curly laughed, the holiness in his chest mixing in with the rest of his love. Once combined, they settled in naturally, allowing the odd feelings to finally pass. Another stupid idea? Better. This idea is hilarious. There were angels missing in heaven. Gabriel flipped through the ledger again, as if the missing names would simply magically appear. Oh, look, those couple hundred names were just hiding in the index. Nothing to worry about here. No angels going AWOL and seemingly vanishing from heaven's gaze for good. But no matter how many times Gabriel went through the old ledger, not a single missing angel name popped up. The worst part was that it wasn't like they fell, because their name would have been scribbled out like the rest of the demons. He paused mid-flip as an absolutely terrible thought occurred to him. Some people thought that Gabriel wasn't smart, or was a bit thick, or any other number of phrases that meant he wasn't the brightest angel. This was only partially true. He and many other angels may have been clueless when it came to earthly matters, but were very sharp when it came to celestial matters. That was why Gabriel returned to the first page of the ledger and began counting the scribbled out demon names. 275 were missing, the same amount as the missing angels. Gabriel closed the book with loving care before pressing it against his face to muffle his screams. He found screaming very therapeutic. He couldn't really curse at God, as that was a big no-no. But he could scream to the universe at large about that damned angel and that double-damned demon and their damned, damned, bloody damned and ineffable plan. And Gabriel's screaming session was cut off by his holy smartphone going off. He could scream at whoever was on the other side, he thought. Even better. Gabriel answered the phone and was just about to start bellowing when the person on the other end cut him off. Gabe, what the fuck did you do? Beelzebub, great. His eternity wasn't going bad enough. Bees, do not call me bees. Gabriel took a deep breath before continuing with, Bees, if this is about the missing names in the ledger, I'll have you know I had nothing to do with it. Heaven had nothing to do with it. And if you actually sat down to read read the thing, you would see that there's just as many angels missing as demons. I didn't mean that. I meant the pizza party. The what? The pizza party. Beelzebub sunk down on their throne, phone in one hand and slice of pizza in the other. Hell is full of pizza. There was a beat of silence on the other end before Gabriel replied... What, like just lying around in piles or? No, no, there's tables and streamers, balloons. There are balloons here, Gabriel, in bright, cheery colors. And there's one really long table full of different types of candy and ice cream. It's supposed to be a, a... Beelzebub lowered the phone just enough to shout, Lager, what did you say it was called? An ice cream sundae bar, Lager shouted back an ice cream sundae bar. Hold up, didn't you tell me that Liger was dead? Beelzebub shrugged, even though they knew Gabriel couldn't see it. He showed up right before the trial, said he just stopped being non-existent. I got better, Liger shouted again. Of course, Liger was better. When Adam said he was going to put the world back together, he meant it. That included any and all demons killed over the course of the week. There was also a lot more bees and whales than before, but Adam figured no one would notice. Anyway, Beelzebub snapped, no one down here did this, so it must have been one of your lot. My lot? If you think any of my lot would sully themselves with pizza and ice cream. No, but your lot is more likely to use their powers to create a pizza party large enough for all of hell because they thought it was nice or something insulted. I will have you know there's not a single angel up here who would waste even a drop of mercy for your lot, and you know it. Well, if it wasn't me, and it wasn't you, then who? Beelzebub let their voice trail off. Much like their counterpart, Beelzebub was not stupid, but they were a fly, and sometimes it took their brain a bit of buzzing about before landing long enough to connect the dots. Fuck me, Beelzebub said at the exact time that Gabriel said, for fuck's sake. It was at that moment that Haster popped out of the milling crowd of hell and said, Hey boss, Ligger found a cake and uh, I think you need to see it. Of course there's cake, Beelzebub said as they shoved their phone back into their pocket without bothering to hang up. But dialing was an invention of hell after all. They wolfed down their slice of pizza disturbingly quick and followed Hauster through the crowd, eager to get this over with. If you asked why Beelzebub was impatient, they would say something about needing the time to plot against this grand insult to hell and all of its demons. They would not, under any circumstances, say it was because they wanted one of the cake's corner pieces before a far less worthy demon claimed it. The crowd parted as Beelzebub swept through, giving them a clear path to this mysterious cake. Beelzebub was slightly disappointed to see that it was round, therefore meaning there were no corner pieces to claim. In just a few more minutes, Beelzebub would even be more disappointed when they found out it was an angel food cake. But at that very second, all they could focus on was the sprawling script written across the cake in flowing gold-frosted letters, punctuated with tiny angel wings on both sides. He's mine. A- Z, F. back in heaven Gabriel didn't hear Beelzebub's frustrated scream on the other side of the phone because he was too busy staring at a sticker he had no idea how he had missed it during his numerous searches through the ledger whoever had placed it in the ledger did it in a way that it covered a name that could have been angelic or demon scribbled out It was absolutely hideous, a mess of holographic rainbows and sparkles designed to catch the light of heaven at just the right angle to annoy Gabriel with its glare. The sticker also so happened to be in the shape of a black and red snake wearing sunglasses. Gabriel couldn't even find it in himself to scream. The door to Gabriel's office opened as Michael stepped in with a rather puzzled expression on her face. "'Gabriel, I apologize for interrupting, "'but I just got word from my informant "'that there's been a massive miracle "'performed in heaven and hell, "'and I want to speak to you about... "'Michael stopped talking. "'Odd?' "'About,' Gabriel asked "'as he finally tore his eyes off the garish sticker. "'Michael was staring at him. "'About what?' "'No,' he thought. "'Michael wasn't staring at him. "'Michael was staring up and over Gabriel's shoulder.' Dread pulled in Gabriel's stomach as he turned around in his heavenly office chair to see what was behind him. There, right on the back wall above his desk was a large portrait of the serpent of Eden, tempter of mankind, boyfriend of the angel we don't talk about, and a general royal pain in the ass, Crowley. He was grinning from ear to ear, shooting double finger guns to make it absolutely clear that he was far cooler than anyone looking at the painting. Xerophil was there, too, pressed up against the serpent's side with his head propped up on Crowley's shoulder. And there under the painting was a shining golden plaque with a single line engraved across its surface in a style that Gabriel didn't know that any earthbound human would instantly recognize as comic sans. Angel of the Millennium, Anthony J. Crowley. Gabriel didn't bother to muffle his screams this time. The End